Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 4. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. Have you... uh ever had the opportunity to uh, float down the Boise River? How many of you have done that in this, uh, this room? Yeah, that's a lot of you. I love, I love floating down the Boise River, especially on a super hot day and, and you're out there with friends and uh, enjoying, uh, again, just God's creation. Um, it really is, a, really is an amazing state we live in. Um, and floating down that river is one of the blessings of this state. Several years ago, I took uh, my mom and dad down the river, and we borrowed uh, some friends' rafts that uh, were kind enough to share those with us, and really looking forward uh, to the day. It was going to be a perfect day, about 95 out and, and sunny and just perfect. And so we started heading down the river, and my mother, um, my mother was a little nervous about the whole uh, trip. Just She has kind of neck stuff, and she's like, I don't want to get rocked too much. And I'm like, no, it's pretty smooth, and, and uh, it'll be all right. And so uh, she and I were in one raft, and Kina and my father were in another raft. And we start going down, and, and we're just having a great time. And uh, laughing and sharing stories and splashing each other. It was just, just wonderful, uh, until we noticed uh, that our boat had a leak in it. <laughs> and it was the boat that my mother and I were in. And, and we noticed that we were taking on water. And as you have floated the Boise River before, you know <clears throat> it's not a real good idea to get over to the right-hand side because there's all the trees, and, and they stick out, and you start to get near the rocks and stuff. Well, as our boat was taking on water, and we're trying to bail, and uh, trying to, to just stay afloat, uh, the boat starts going to the right-hand side. And my mother now is getting quite nervous, and, and the boat really is uh, going under. Um, so, so I hop out of the boat and I'm like, good luck, mom. No, (laughs) I hop out of the boat and, and I am, I'm literally, uh, I'm on the backside. I'm literally under the boat, uh, holding her up as there's just really no air, uh, left in this thing. And we're, we're just getting pummeled by these tree branches and I'm, and I'm trying to kick and, and swim with one arm and, and get us out of this uh, current that's taking us down the side. Uh, and that boat is, is just going under. And, but luckily, and, and praise the Lord, 
started to get enough uh, momentum where I was able to get towards the middle of the deal. And I'm, and I'm under holding the boat, and, and my mother, again, is panicking. And uh, then she, she kind of is looking at me, and she's like, I think it's pretty shallow here, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like floating. I, I'm, I'm like trying to hold her up. And, uh, and then I realize, oh, I'm in about a foot of water now. <laughs> so I just stand up, and, and, uh, and we get out of the boat, um, and I, I walk her, uh, I walk, the current was pretty strong, so I walk her over to the, to the side where the, the green belt is, and we get her onto firm ground, and, and uh, our boat uh, didn't totally go under, she didn't go under, uh, and we made it through the day. But there was no way in heck, I'm just telling you as a son, there's no way in heck I was going to let my mom uh, go under with that boat. There wasn't. I was going to do everything in my strength, uh, and in my power to uh, keep my mom uh, afloat, uh, and I did. Now, here's the thing about here's the thing about this story this morning, is Jesus, uh, who is God, by the way, he is not going to let your boat sink. Just like me with my mom, Jesus is not going to let your boat sink. We are going to hit currents. We are going to be in places where we're going. My boat is sinking. But God. And all of his power and his love for you is not going to let your boat sink. And you just need to know that this morning, wherever you're at in life. I know some days it's really hard and you're just like, I'm going down. But he is with you. Uh, He will not let your boat sink. And so let's let the Holy Spirit minister that to us this morning as we go through this gospel in Mark 4. Let me pray. Father, we we sometimes wonder. uh, We wonder if you're letting our boat sink. Uh, it's hard. Uh, the currents are tough, and uh, we don't know how we're going to make it through. But Father, I really pray through your Holy Spirit this morning that, that we will know uh, very clearly that you are present, that you are with us. Uh, we don't go through any storm uh, where you're not with us. And so, Father, uh, pour that out upon each and every one of these saints this morning. May they know your love for them, that you are good, and that you will not let our boat sink. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Where can I find hope when my boat is sinking? Well, I think, I think the, the simplest and the most clear thing in, in this whole story uh, of Jesus with his disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, uh, where can we find hope? We can find hope in the fact, that, like I just prayed, that he is present. He's not distant from us. He's not like, like if I was to say to my mother, well, good luck, I hope you make it down the river. He doesn't do that. He's present there with us. He's, he's lifting up the boat. He's bailing out the water. He's calming the sea, as we see in this story this morning. He is present, even though it seems like our boat is going under. The disciples are learning, just like you and I are, what it means to follow Jesus. Aren't we all learning that? What it means to to really be his disciple, to trust him, to be obedient to his ways because he knows what's best for our lives and gives us life. And so they're learning to trust Jesus. They're learning about who he is. He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's claiming to be Lord of the Sabbath. 
all these incredible things that he's doing. He's teaching parables, the Word of God. It had been an incredibly, by the time we get to the story in Mark 4, 35, it's been an incredibly long day. Started back in Mark 3, 20, he, he confronted the Pharisees. And then he had his family and friends who thought he literally was going crazy. Remember that part? We need to get a hold of him. He's, he's losing it. He had been uh, teaching his people in parables, and he had been going out, and just in the beginning of Mark 4, he goes out on a little boat, and he uses the boat as his pulpit, and he's teaching the thousands that are wanting to hear from him and be touched by him and receive his healing. It had been an incredibly long day. Thousands who were following him were, were turning their hearts to him. They really were starting to see who he was. Many were just there for the show. And that's always the case in a crowd, right? Who is this Jesus guy? Some really come to know him as Lord and Savior. Some just want to experience his power and his healing, but don't really want him. So after this long day, Jesus is realizing, you know, part of, part of Jesus and his time with his disciples is uh, he's in the business of growing his disciples, of maturing their faith. That's just who Jesus is. There was an old title of, of a book, uh, Jesus Loves You Just the Way You Are, but He Refuses to Let You Stay That Way, right? I mean, He's always in the business of growing us up. He's always in the business of maturing our faith. That's who Christ is. He's conforming us into His image. And He's especially doing that with His disciples. So the disciples have seen Him do all these things. They, they've heard Him teach the Word of God. They they are trying to understand who he is. And after this long, long day, he says, All right, guys, good day. Now let's go to the other side. I've got some more stuff I want to do with you. I want to grow you up. And look at the scriptures say in uh, chapter 4 at the end, starting in, in 35. So the evening had come. So again, it had been a long, long day. And it's Jesus who says, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, again, thousands upon thousands, they took him along. There's all these little bits in here. Look at this. They took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats that were with him. They, they took Jesus along just as he is. I could do a whole sermon just on that. Do you take Jesus just as he is? Or do we keep trying to either add to Him or take away from Him? Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world, the only way to have relationship with the Father through belief upon Him. Do you take Jesus just as He is? In this context, what they're saying is, listen, they had had this incredible day. He's out on a pulpit boat teaching and, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And now it's like, Jesus is going, I got some more stuff I'm going to teach you. Let's go to the other side. Basically, gets into another boat. And they don't go back to shore to get provisions. They don't go change. No, just as he is. It just kind of shows there's urgency here. We've got stuff we're going to do. And so there's Jesus and the boat. Uh, and then there's, there's several other boats that are with them going across the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I've been on the Sea of Galilee uh, many times, and I've been there, 
on times when you, you get up in the morning and you go out first thing, and it is glassy as can be. You wish that the, the fishing boat that you went on was a Mastercraft fishing boat, you know? You want to go wakeboard behind that thing. That water is crystal clear and calm, and you just want to be on the lake all day and enjoy that. And we, we've gone out and we, we've sung songs unto the Lord, and just beautiful, beautiful times. Hey, by the way, a little plug. June of next year, we're going back. See you, Galilee, to Israel. So I want you to be with me. Uh, we're going to go. And we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee. And then I've also been on times on the Sea of Galilee where we've gone on the same boat, same sea, and it's just been a howling wind. It just it comes out of nowhere. It'll start out fairly calm, and then all of a sudden it just picks up, and it starts to pick up, and the waves start getting bigger. And the boat we're in, luckily, is a pretty big boat. And it's an amazing wind that comes. You know, everybody, whenever you get on these fishing boats, they, they all try to go up front and do, you know, I'm king of the world. But on a windy day like that, it's not a good idea. I mean, that wind literally just knocks you back. And it's strong. And everybody, it's not the best place to, like, do a sermon. You know, you're trying to do your sermon notes. The notes are flying everywhere. You're trying to teach the Word of God. And everybody's like, huh? What did he say? And they have no idea what's happening. You're yelling at each other, and the boats move around. People are getting seasick. It's not a great experience. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. On the Sea of Galilee, which was well known where these storms would pick up, the fishermen knew that. They were... They were comfortable in these storms. What happens is, is the Sea of Galilee is uh, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long. It's about uh, seven miles across. Uh, it's 680 feet below sea level, and it's 150 feet deep or so. And what, what happens there is you get you get the the cool air coming from the mountains coming down. You get the warm air coming up, and in that mix. Just again, it goes from calm to incredible storms and waves get really big. The fishing boats that they would go out on, and they found one. They found an old, uh, an old fishing boat. Um, and the size of that boat uh, was about 27 feet long. It's about uh, 7 feet wide. And coming off the water, you're about 4 feet. Um, so you've got to picture uh, about 15 guys in this boat typically. You got, you got all these guys in this boat. It's pretty low to the water, even though it's long, but it's pretty narrow as well, seven feet across. And so they're going, on Jesus' command, let's go to the other side. Guys who, again, are comfortable in storms, they know what's happening. And they go across to the other side, trusting Jesus for what he's doing with them after an incredibly long day. And what does it say? A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat. A storm arose like no other. And they got to a place where they went, our boat is sinking. Where can you find, where can you find hope when your boat is sinking? They go across, trusting God for what he's doing, and now their boat is sinking. I think what, what we see here in this passage is that we can... We can find hope in what we know His presence is there, but here's what's, par- what's amazing about His presence. His presence uh, is full of infinite power and absolute authority. 
where can we have hope and, and from that hope have our peace is because Christ is in the boat with us. He has infinite power. He has absolute authority in what's going on. The, the squall started to go over. These seasoned fishermen, again, who are used to this, they are freaking out about the size of the storm. The scriptures say that the boat, the waves were crashing over, and the language is like, the boat is full of water. You ever been in that? Your boat is full of water, and it's going down. And so they wake Jesus up. Again, Jesus is present. He's in the boat. But here's, here's the struggle, and this is what a lot of us have. We, we have a storm going on around us. The waves are crashing in. We're scared to death. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to survive. And, and then we get, quite honestly, we get really frustrated with God because we think he's sleeping. It's like, Jesus, how are you sleeping? Don't you see? And we kind of get this overall image of like, God, you must be asleep on this one. Uh, don't you realize the storm that's raging around me? You know, I'll say this about Jesus. Jesus, in his humanity, may have caught a few winks every now and then, may have caught some sleep, but Jesus never oversleeps. He doesn't miss what's going on around. And you've got to understand something about Jesus in this storm. Jesus is like, Jesus is like a parent of a, of a newborn baby. You know what it's like to be a parent of a newborn? You, you are exhausted, aren't you? All the time. You're exhausted. And so you try to catch a, a wink whenever you can. Jesus was exhausted. He, he is continually pouring out his life into people. He's continually loving and, and sharing. He's exhausted in his humanity. But you've got you to gotta remember something about Jesus. Uh, he's fully human, fully God. But in his humanity, he's catching some sleep. But like a parent of a newborn, as soon as he hears the cry of his child, of his children, he doesn't continue to sleep. He doesn't miss that. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, well, you know, someone else will get to it. He responds, and he responds quickly, just like a parent of a newborn. That's who our God is. He knows we're in the storm. He's present. Remember what I said? Jesus is in the business about growing our faith. We can't miss this in the whole story. There's a lot of teaching that needs to happen with these disciples, especially these men who are going to be the ones who give us the word of God who give their eyewitness account of who God is. He's teaching these men about who he is. He's present. He hears their cry. But we oftentimes feel like Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Lord, don't you know what's going on around me? Where do we find hope when our boats are filling? We can find that in his infinite power, his full authority. I have a dear friend who, uh, this season of life is just awful, quite frankly. Uh, she, has, she has this beautiful, beautiful son, but he's a special needs child. He'll never, he'll never be able to function without 24-7 care. Never. Can't function on his own. He always needs care. And, and she basically is the primary caregiver. And that in and itself, as much as you love your child, that's just exhausting. It's exhausting. And many of you have walked that journey with friends. And not only that, but in the middle of all just the, the hardship of, of uh, just raising children and, and a child with special needs, uh, the husband's decided, well, I'm out of here. So her husband's leaving her. 
So our conversations are often this. Is Jesus sleeping? Or doesn't he care what's going on right now? I feel like he's not around. Where is his love for me in the middle of all this? I am in the storm, and it seems like my boat is sinking all the time. You know, this passage, I think, is a great passage. There, there, is, no, there is no full answer to that, right? Jesus is doing something with her that he just needs to do with her and her life with him and her, her love relationship with Jesus. He's doing his own stuff with her. I can't, I can't give the answers. I don't care how spiritual you are. You, you can't give the answers. The only the truth is, is that, no, he's not sleeping. Uh, he's present with you. He loves you. He's still good. Just because you're going through this doesn't mean he's not good anymore. He's still good, uh, and he's going through this with you. That's what's true of our Lord. And his power is going to play out in this. He, he, he's sovereign. He knows what's happening. He has authority over this. And just drawing her, the only thing I can really do is just draw her to Jesus. I don't have, you know, when is this going to stop? I don't know. When's the pain going to go away? I, but I do know you have a Lord who loves you, and he's with you right in the middle of this. And he will deliver you to the other side. That's what he's doing with his disciples. I'm going to take you to the other side. There's some things along the way that I'm ministering to you. Jesus hears the cry of his hurting child, children. And he rises up and he says, Be be quiet, be still. Literally, be muzzled and remain so. Be muzzled and remain so. He speaks and he responds to his children who are in the storm, who are fearful of the boat sinking. And the wind dies down and the water was completely calm. We can have hope in the middle of the storm. We can have hope because God is present, and not only is He present, but He has infinite power and He has full authority. Here's what's interesting. Remember how I said I've been on the the water when the storm is raging? Any of you who've been on a boat and there's been a storm, you know the wind may die down, right? That's true. The wind may die down, just naturally. But here's what's not true. The water doesn't go calm. It doesn't. You'll always still have the, the rift in the water, the ripples, no matter how high. That'll always still be there. That takes a while for that to dissipate. The wind will die down, and the size maybe may die down, but the water won't be this calm. And, and the language here actually has the idea of the water was dead calm. Nothing. From a raging storm that seasoned fishermen couldn't handle to a dead calm. Be muzzled and remain that way. You don't think your God can work in your situation and calm the storm. He has infinite power. He has full authority. He may let you stay in that storm a while. He's doing whatever he's doing with us, each of us. But he is the God who can calm storms in your life. And his presence is there with you always, always. Be still. Be muzzled. Do not move. You know, some commentators say, say that, well, what was happening with the storm is that it was, uh, it was actually um, 
demonic. There was a demonic influence on the storm. Because he uses those same words in the beginning of Mark when, he, when he's casting out the demon. He uses the same words. And so they're saying, oh, this demonic attack came in and, and moved, the, moved the waves to crush Jesus and his disciples. Well, you know what? That, that, may be, that may be part of it. I mean, there may be some spiritual forces going on. I'm not opposed to that uh, possibly happening. But I don't think that's what the passage is getting at. I think what the passage is getting at is Jesus, God in the flesh, who is with us, his children, has full authority over everything of creation. He has full power, all the resources of God, and he has full authority over all of creation. He's sovereign in all of it. He knows what's going on. He knows what his purposes are. He has full authority. This is the God that we serve. And this is the God that hears our cry. Again, whatever storm you're in right now or have gone through, uh, he's never absent from that. And so he responds out of love. He responds to them with all of his authority, this incredible power. Who is it that even the winds obey? They're terrified. They, they are fearful initially, just out of fear that the boat is saying, I mean, it's a real fear, like a fleshly fear. Then they're terrified in this power, like in awe, in amazement. Who is it that can calm the storm? We are in awe. That power that caused the storm, that calmed the storm, is more terrifying. It's more in awe of, of who God is, who's in the boat with us, than the storm itself. If we only had the second fear first, where we stand in awe of who our God is. They stand in awe. Who is it that can do such thing? We can have hope. We can find hope in the middle of the storm because our God is present and he's all-powerful and has full authority. And in that there is a peace that rests in him. Jesus is in your boat as children of God. He's in your boat. I know sometimes you feel like he's sleeping, but he won't oversleep. He won't miss your cry. He'll respond to what's going on. Sometimes, again, that's a peace right in the middle of the storm, just calming your heart. Sometimes that's literally calming the storm because he's good, because he loves us. Where can we find hope in the middle of the storm? Here's, here's the other area I see. I see. I see that we recognize his presence and we have hope there. We recognize his power and his authority. And then the other area that, that I think uh, we find hope in is that we realize, you know what? Jesus does have purpose for our life that this Christian journey of ours is about, again, we, we shift gears where we go, you know what? This Christian journey is about us uh, growing in Christ, becoming more like Him, learning to trust Him. There's purpose in the storm. Uh, and we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with purpose in the storm. Because <laughs> this is the hardest part of the, the whole passage. Ready? Jesus says... And in the other Gospels, he says he commanded, let's go over to the other side. Jesus said that. It wasn't the disciples' idea. What it's really saying is, Jesus brought us into the storm. 
that's not right. This is where we struggle in our relationship with God. Jesus, you, you're the one who called me into this. You brought me into the storm. You allowed me to get here. And our theology gets all messed up because what happens is in our theology, we start to develop this theology that we go, no, Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't take me into the storm or he's not going to, he's not going to allow me to go through the storm. Let's go to the other side. Here's my promise. I'm getting you to the other side. I have a purpose. I have some things I'm going to do with you along the way. I'm going to help you to trust me and to know who I am and, and to rest in me. Uh, I'm taking you right in the middle of the storm. But he's in the boat. Did you forget that part? He's in the boat. And he's leading his disciples to the other side, which they seem to have forgotten. We find hope that he does have purpose, and, and he's given us his promises that he who began the good work will finish it, that he is going to lead us into his beautiful glory. He's going to grow us up. And this is where we struggle. You know, the scriptures constantly remind us, Peter, why are you surprised by these trials you're going through? I don't, I mean, he's almost like, I don't get it. How can you be surprised? This is the way it is as followers of Jesus Christ. Other scriptures remind us, not only, not only should you not be surprised, but you should have joy in the middle of it because it's developing in you perseverance. and It's helping you to run the race. It's helping you to know who Jesus is. But he's present in the middle of it. He has purpose for us. He wants us to know him more, to be more intimate with him. He wants us to grow in our faith, allow us opportunity to trust him and who he is. And a big part of the purpose is that we recognize who he is, his character. They doubted his goodness, didn't they? They they doubted, I think, for a while that he is good, that he loves them. Don't you care that we are perishing? Here's an interesting question. Don't you care that we are perishing, that we are dying? Can you imagine in Jesus' heart? Oh, guys, it's the whole reason I came. Don't I care that you're dying? It's the whole reason I came. So that you might have life. Are you kidding? I always care that you're dying because I don't want you to die. I want you to have life in me. I want you to have salvation in me. Don't you care what's happening to me? He cares. We have this wonderful high priest, Hebrews says, that sympathizes with us in our weakness. He's gone through it all. He has suffered with us. He's been through the storms. And Hebrews 13 reminds us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't I care that you're perishing? Of course. You can't forget my goodness. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. The Lord's present with us. Like me with my mom upholding that boat and really finally drifting over to calm waters. That's what Jesus is doing with us. The purpose and where we have hope and that God is doing something with us in the middle of the storm if we'll allow him to do his work, oftentimes is that he's bringing us to the end of ourselves, isn't he? Because a lot of times in the middle of the storm, and I think like the fishermen, I I can pretty much guarantee you, the fishermen had, again, they're used to storms. They had gone through the waves and they they had bailed out the boat and they had maneuvered that boat to try to get into a better position. And I think they got to a place where... 
we can't, we can't do any more to rescue ourselves. And so finally they wake Jesus. I think Jesus allows us to get to that place sometimes. We, we've tapped all our resources and all of our humanity and all of our strength. There, there's nowhere left to go but into Jesus and say, Oh Lord, help. Help. The purpose is he's growing our faith. How is it that you have no faith? He's not yelling at them. He's, he's drawing them to understand who he is. He's drawing them to understand that even though they struggle, they're missing the big picture maybe of, of all that he's going to do in their life. He's trying to help them understand who he is and that he's good and that he's with them. And then he's taking them to the other side. He's trying to, to grow their faith and seeing who he really is. They've sort of missed it in all the miracles beforehand. And he draws them in and who he is. And they take a beautiful grip upon him. The storm's crashing. He calms the storm. Who can it be? Who is this one who even calms the storm? Psalm 88. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea, and when its waves rise, you still them. Howard Hendricks said this, two things you need to remember in the middle of the storm. If Jesus Christ is in your boat, it will never sink, and the storm will not last forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for your good word. Father, I thank you that you are present with us. I thank you that you are in our boat and I know for many in this room, it feels like the storm is raging. And so, Father, would you reveal yourself as good and powerful? And may we hold on to the fact that uh, you are in control, that this doesn't escape you, that you are not aware of our situation. And so, Father, we acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. We acknowledge you as present God with us. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you that you are the God who calms the storms. In your precious name, amen.